Good evening. Welcome to another edition. Oh, let's get like the numbers right now. Episode 80 of Folks Talking Sports, sponsored by Five Star Properties. I am Chris Gardner of Houston Round Bar View. Joining me is Andy Yanez. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, Chris. How are you? Doing pretty well. And Willie Gibson in the airport. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, relatively speaking. Well, I'm good. How about you guys? We were dealing with some, de- some uh, delayed flight flight delays, as Andy can relate oh, to. So I can relate. Know, <laughs> yep. These these big timers here, you know, I just sit here at my house, driving around Houston and stuff. That's all I do. Head it out. Uh, you know. Head it out. Uh, but let's get into it. Talk some sports here. Uh, shut it down roughly an hour or so, so I can go watch the uh, Rockets lose to Minnesota, make it 13 straight, perhaps, or, or maybe they end it streak and and stop the streak. Andy, what happened almost, to you? I almost called you after the Charlotte game, and I knew you were doing post game. Like it's tonight, the night. Oh no, I was I was at the U.S. Women's Basketball. So yeah, oh. I, I was in that. I did not want to see that Titanic tilt between two bad basketball teams in the NBA. I saw the Cougars in USF because I know some people on USF staff, and uh, go back to a Houston Cougar days from a long, long time ago. But uh, oh, Andy, this book now. I want to get Andy's comments. He's taking care of some technical difficulties because first part I want to talk about pertains to Andy and his guarantee that he made in episode 79 that the Houston Cougars football team would defeat the Texas Longhorns this season in 2023. Well, Will, the Longhorns say we don't want to play those newcomers. There you go. So we heard about Andy on his guarantee. So we're so afraid of Andy being right. We don't want to play the Houston Cougars in football and Andy's trying to fix his microphone and stuff. So we're going to give him a chance to chime in and see if he agrees with that assessment or if it's simply negotiations that the Longhorns and Sooners are trying to uh, make everything fit for them economically and not play the four newcomers in the big 12 who are joining the league in July of this year. Andy, what do you say? What's your, what's your logic on it? My logic is that the Texas Longhorns are scared to play the University of Houston Cougars. And it has to be Texas because Oklahoma, who does Oklahoma have to be scared of? I don't think they're scared of BYU. They're not scared of Cincinnati. They're not scared of UCF. They're certainly not scared of Houston after what happened last time those two programs met in 2019. Holgerson was the head coach, so they've shown that they, they can play under this coaching staff. It's got to be the Texas Longhorns. And at Maybe caveat this, it's not that they don't want to just play Houston. They don't want to come down to Houston and play the Houston Cougars at TDECU Stadium. That's got to be it, because what else would it? That's logical sense. And well, what, what do you say it is, Will? <laughs> um, I think they're looking for another zero. They're looking for another zero. It's money. It's they're all scared. comes down to money. <laughs> they're scared. That's what it is. And he says they're For scared. Who? Well, scared. of Houston, because if they were to lose to the Houston Cougars under the Dana Hogerson administration, those guys there, that's what do you call it, Chris? Houston Cougars high. Well, yeah, it would not look good for I the mean, Texas. That's, that's more Aggie folk, but the people in the Ivy Tower, you know, in the former Southwest Conference, yeah, they'd still look down upon the Cougars. So, Andy. Tony M agreed with you, I guess. He's, he's saying peace to us as well or whatever. But Andy, did, I think the Longhorns are afraid of your guarantee coming true. Exactly. Because we're so, if, folks, if sport can, is so popular now. We're going back to Austin. Well, I, I said, about yeah. my guarantee specifically. <laughs> but what I was going to say is when you look at it from a perspective of the Texas Longhorns, and we, we touch on it, essentially is – Reportedly, the CBS report that, that you sent earlier in regards to Oklahoma and UT, they had kind of, I phrased it, they had kind of gotten cold feet in regards to playing the new members of the Big 12. And you said that the way those two schools would, would phrase it, and I think Texas much more. Oh, just lost Will. If we just lost Will. Yeah. I think Texas much more rather than 
Oklahoma because again I don't I don't really see why Oklahoma would 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 pose it that way but the I call it so entitled like no we don't want to play those schools like why why are we going to give them the benefit of having to give them the privilege to play us I don't get it it doesn't it makes no sense and it will will does bring up a good point it could just be that they're trying to make you know get more money and and be able to exit the conference sooner but something's not fitting right in terms of they were okay according to cbs report they were okay with staying until 2025 and then all of a sudden a month later september correct me if i'm wrong i think around that time there was rumors that ut was going to be the school that had to come down and play houston yeah Mm-hmm. Around that time, coincidentally, then they get cold feet. I'll just leave it at that. Well, there's got to be a reason for the delay, okay? Because it's supposed yeah. to come out in October, November, December. Now we're towards the last 10 days of January. Still no schedule negotiations. But my thing is this. And Will, you, you will represent the Power 5 programs, you know, UH is not part of that, not part of the elite tier of football. Texas and Oklahoma, they want to leave early? Okay. How badly do you want to leave early? Show us the money, as in the Big 12. You want to leave early? Okay. But for the Longhorns and Sooners, too, because Dennis Dodd from CBS Sports reported it, Chip Brown from 24-7 Horns reported it as well, that they are dictating or negotiating with the Big 12 about who they want to play on the schedule. Why is the Big 12 even entertaining that for discussion? You're that, still, you're, that part, you're still a member of the conference. Right now, you're still a member of the Big 12. So you will play who we scheduled you to play, period. If you want, and once again, if you want to get out early, show us the money. How badly do you want to get out of the conference early? And then we can talk. But until then, the schedule is going to be this. You're going to play Texas. Excuse me, you're going to play Houston in, at TD Eastern Stadium. You're going to play UCF, two of the four new schools. And, and then what? Because if they don't, what are they going to do if they don't? What schedule comes out? Are they going to forfeit? See, you bring up a valid point, Chris, and that's what leads me to believe. I hadn't thought about that. And listen to what you just said. That's why I, I don't believe it's a scenario where Texas and Oklahoma are trying to dictate they don't want to play. Who they don't want to play because Britt Yormark is the commissioner. You play who's on your schedule. I don't, and again, if you don't, then leave. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know that this is such a power move that the mighty, mighty Texas is dictating who they can play. Listen, here's, here's the schedule. You have the option to leave early. Period. And see, that's my thing. So it's Curious to me that two different media people who are pretty respected in college football, you know, journalists, have reported the same thing, that the Longhorns and Sooners are trying to dictate to the conference who they play and don't play and that they do not want to play the four new members. Based on what? What leverage do they have? They're leaving. Okay, They're going to leave, whether it's two years or one year. And then a source was quoted as saying, that the source is okay with it. What's okay with, yeah, the Big 12, what point does it make for the new schools to play Texas and Oklahoma? Because if it's on the schedule, that's the point. <laughs> that's the point that it makes. So this doesn't make a lot of sense. So, Andy, you make it make sense. No, you're right. There's, there's something that's off about the sudden change in mindset, because again, going back to that CBS sports article, it seemed like they, they were on board. Okay. We'll stick with the big 12 until 2025. Maybe they, if it's not that they don't want to play any of the new members of the new big 12, or they're trying to, if they're not trying to do a power move and dictate what the schedule, maybe they just think that, that joining the sec a year sooner is much, much more, like such a huge benefit to them to do it by 2024. Maybe they learn something in that month that, that really clears it and they're trying to force their way out of the Big 12 a year sooner. 
But you're right. It doesn't make sense. So Dennis Dodder, he reported a couple of days ago, what we're really discussing, and I think Andy started this conversation for us on Folks Talking Sports with what he found or what sent a screenshot that Chip Brown reported this week for 27th uh, Horns Digest, basically, about the possible reasons for delay in negotiations, why the football, the Big 12 football schedule has not been announced for 2023. It doesn't make sense if the Longhorns Sooners are trying to make a power move. The conference, here's the schedule. These are the dates. You play them. <laughs> you don't, if you don't want to play that date, forfeit. And again, that was, that was the schedule already made because Dana Hogerson, I don't mean, he was talking about something he had seen. There was a schedule given to Dana Hogerson that he saw. And, and the he, UCF AD said the same thing exactly. what, last week. Within the last 10 days, he said the schedule will be coming out on January 17th. Mm-hmm. And then he, almost like minutes later, oh, not the 17th, something's happened by the end of the month. What were you going to say? I'm running out for the end of the month. What do you think, Will? I, I just find it hard to believe that you've already told me you're leaving, but yet I want to placate to your demands, your requests, your wishes. That doesn't make sense to me. It just doesn't. Agreed. So, I don't, I don't know. And Dennis Dodd, in the article, had some good info that I did not know, so I, so I shared it with everybody. Each of the eight legacy Big 12 schools agreed to forego $60 million, $8 million annually in 2023, 2024, and 2024, 2025, of their $42.6 million annual distribution. Each of the four new schools are set to receive $18 million to $19 million annually uh, the, their first two years. BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF will each receive a full share of media rights revenue when the Big 12 begins its new deals in the fall of 2025. So that's two years. So the third year of the Cougs being in Big 12, they get a full share. That's one thing Chris Pesman, the UH vice president, said when everything was announced officially, was surprised me for sure that they're going to get a full share that quickly. So that's been confirmed. So that's that's a good thing to get a full share that soon. But if the Longhorns and Sooners leave after 23-24 season, they would be on the hook for early termination fees with each surrendering at least their final year of media rights distribution, which reportedly could be as much as $168 million. So 80 million each. However, most likely everybody's expecting that number to be negotiated downward. So maybe then I said 60, 65%. Okay. So that's got to be the holdup in negotiations on the early exit fee. Not because of scheduling. It just, it's, it's money because to me and to y'all, I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. So far, what we've seen in Brett Yormark these few months as commissioner of the Big 12, he does not strike me as a dude that would placate <laughs> and say, no. oh, y'all want to do this? Okay, yeah, you're, you're right. Please, 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 please. You don't, want, you, you don't like the schedule? Okay, let's talk about it. Kid Rock. Kid Rock. This doesn't make sense to me. So, so the negotiation fees got to be about the, the early termination fees and based on whatever they agree on, that money will help make up what the legacy schools agreed to initially to uh, not get received in these first two years of 23, 24, and 24, 25 season. So that's what I think is happening. That's, that makes most sense to me Attention. financially. It's about money. Baggage. And speaking of money, Folks Talking Sports is sponsored by Five Star Properties. Five Star Properties is a Dallas-based company owned by a UH alum. If you are facing foreclosure or need to sell your house as is for cash, call 972-532-SELL or visit their website at fivestarprops.com. That's F-I-V-E-S-T-A-R-E-R-O-P-S dot com. 
Well, you share with me something at the end of our appearance on the lunch break. Um, mm -hmm. That is, I want you to share, share with Andy, please, sir. Some news you heard from the Ohio State. Yeah, I got a, a note from um, the university on Thursday um, that the 2023 spring football game has been scheduled for Saturday, April 15th at 12 noon. Uh, tickets are $7 for general admission. Uh, limited uh, reserve seating is available for $15 and $30. Say that again. How much money? How much for tickets? Uh, $7 general admission. Uh, limited uh, reserve seating for $15 and $30. April 15th, the Buckeyes have announced the date for their spring game. Andy of Gallery Sports, have you heard anything from Houston Cougar football about the Cougs spring football game? No, I have not. And not only that, but it's interesting. Ohio State's charging people to go watch the, the spring game because last season, I believe it was free to the public for the Houston Cougars. Was it? <laughs> it was. Let me double check that before I... I uh, commit to it, but I'm pretty sure it was. Well, well, let me say this. Let me say this. Let me let me give in the interest of full disclosure. The money, the proceeds go to Life Sports, which is a youth uh, camp here for Central Ohio youth that is held on, on Ohio State's campus during the summer. So this money doesn't go into the general coffers of the athletic department. These funds go to youth sports in Central Ohio. Must be nice to be the king or be one of the kings because I'm pretty sure if the Cougs charge for the spring football game, it's going to go to in the coffers of the athletic fund. <laughs> so, but I digress. But here we are, January 21st. Yeah. Go ahead, Andy. Um, it said Houston football invites fans to attend the program's final practice of the spring. So it wasn't a game, it was a practice. Friday, April 8th from TDCU Stadium. This free event will run from 7 to 9 p.m. with gates opening at 3 p.m. Free parking. So, yeah, it was free for the Cougars. And this news release that I'm reading, again, this is for this past year. This is for the open practice set for April 8th. The release for it came out on March 30th. So roughly a week. Yes, sir. March 30th. I think it happened after the Cougars had been eliminated from the lead eight. Okay, well, here we are on Folks Talking Sports encouraging the Houston Cougar Athletic Department, the football program. Please don't wait until one week prior to this year's spring game to make an announcement that you're having a, a practice or a spring game or whatever you want to call it. Because well, this, go ahead, Will. Well, let me say this as far as the practice. Um, we Ohio State calls it the spring game, and but technically, yes, it is a practice. Mm -hmm. so this gives you 15 spring practices, so the spring game is the culmination of spring of the spring football practice. So it's practice 15. So depending on the mood of the coaches that day, it, it's not a, a game per se. I mean, mm -hmm. Urban Meyer was notorious for running the same place seven times in a row to see how his defense will react and respond. So it's practice. So it's more of our practice scores kept it. You know, the defense can score for three and outs and interceptions. And, and so it's technically classified as the 15th practice of spring football, but it's still publicized and advertised as the spring game. And last year, there was a bit of a weather issue, but I want to say we Ohio State still drew about fifty three thousand um, on <laughs> on uh, decent weather days in mid April. Uh, fifty three thousand. Yeah, and that was rainy. It was cold and rainy that day. Um, fifty three thousand. But weather weather being no issue. Upwards of 70, 80,000 people. Because again, as I think I've discussed it before here, $7 to 10, that's going to draw the fan that's not going to be able to pay mm -hmm. what the athletic department's charging for a Penn State game or a Michigan State game or a Purdue game or what have you. So that's kind of the point 
of having that is, you know, you, you still get those uh, fans, the give those fans the opportunity to uh, to see the team. Well, I'm, I feel safe in saying there was not 5,300 Cougs at last year's practice. No. May not have been 530 people at last year's uh, open practice. So that's another reason why we have Willie Gibson on both talking sports to provide an outside perspective of big time athletics for what Houston administration supposedly aims to get to at some point in their future, despite the fact they do very little to reach those lofty goals. 53,000. That's more than TDECU stadium, even seats capacity for the stadium is 40,000. <laughs> Man. Okay. Well, Wow, I, I, I'm not even. I'm kind of speechless on that, Will. But Andy, what do you think about fifty-three thousand people attending an Ohio State practice, football practice? Yeah, not the game. Not the game. Yeah, not, not the game. game. Not We're the game. Talking about practice. Talking about practice. Yeah, talking about practice. <laughs> All I can say is different tiers. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Wow. Um, amazing. Okay. Um, well, I want to get to your early thoughts and be objective about uh, the apparent troubles at the school up north. Yeah. Yeah. That they're experiencing uh, right now. You said be objective. Be no, objective. Yes, yes, no, yes. no, no, no. Um, or be petty. If you, uh, if you yeah, 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 yeah. That's more likely. Um, no, they, um, I mean, what's done in the doctors will come to light. I mean, the, for those that don't know, there was a office of coordinator that was fired yesterday by uh, Michigan Athletic Director Ward Manuel, uh, being classified as computer access crimes being committed at Schimbeckler Hall, which is their football facility. Um, I won't. I, I I will give it information. That's what actually occurred. I won't put that here. Uh, Chris, you and I did talk about that briefly. Yes. Um, but that's a whole nother level. What what what's being um, what's to have alleged happened is is on a whole nother level. I mean, yeah, teams have violations here and there. Uh, level one, level two, level three. Um, but if if what has been Alleged to have happened is reported as true. Yeah, if, if this allegation is true, yeah. I thought this stuff was dead. Yeah. <laughs> I don't believe it still happened. <laughs> you know, so, right. so yeah, and for him to be fired leads me to believe that some portions of it is true. Yeah, there there is some smoke. We're not not sure if there's there's fire yet, but there's some smoke to it. So yeah, so Andy, we I'll I'll bring you. Up. Yeah, we'll speed. talk. We'll talk off, uh, <laughs> off, off air about yeah. about these allegations. Yeah. Um, so, were you guys, either one of you two guys, part of the uh, Pac-12 executive executive committee who was fired yesterday? <laughs> no, no. For the non-disclosure of roughly fifty million dollars overpaid by a distributor to the Pac-12. Oh. Mm. Oh, y'all didn't hear about that, huh? Oh, the con- yeah, the conference put out a press release yesterday. It was not quite a Friday news dump because it happened around one o'clock Pacific or Central Time, but it was it wasn't late, you know, in the evening. But oh yeah, it was interesting. And let me just here's some notes from uh, part of the press release, the timeline. Let me see if I can get it. Let's see here. In the spring of 2017, the Pac-12 Networks engaged the industry-leading auditor to conduct an audit of certain distribution partner payments. The audit concluded that one of the Pac-12 distribution partners had overpaid the Pac-12 Networks for the year 2016 by a material amount. In October 2022, the distribution partner who was the subject of the 2017 audit claimed that it had been paying overpaying the Pac-12 each year since prior to 2016. 
the partner claims the overpayments totaled $50 million. The real total could be slightly or significantly different. Pac-12 fired uh, executives, let's see, CFO Brent Willman and Pac-12 Network's president, Mark Shukin, for failure to take proper corrective action after learning that one of the Pac-12 Network's distribution partners was overpaying. Now, we don't know who those that partner was, but we know it's not Fox and it's not ESPN. So thoughts on hearing that? Doesn't certainly does not put the conference in a <laughs> in a good light to say the least. Um, I think it's interesting, like you said, Chris, the timing of it. You didn't isn't wasn't necessarily a a Friday news dump, but it was really close to it. In a situation like that, it certainly is going to give bad PR to the conference, which is already kind of a, not necessarily in the best of light following the, the obviously a much different aspect in terms of USC and UCLA who are slated to leave. But an incident like that, again, it's it's unacceptable to happen. And imagine if you're one of the ones that are affected, how ticked off you got to be if you were on the – downside the negative side of that error yep and one of the pac people beat writers for the conference who has taken some heat last few months because of his slant toward the coverage of expansion and uh, media rights for the big 12 pac-12 john wilner he's still on his game when it comes to covering the pac-12 he wrote that the distributor has filed a claim but the facts at hand strongly suggest the Pac-12 will reimburse the distributor for the total amount of the overpayments. Maybe that's $50 million. Maybe it's more or less. And ultimately, any reimbursement is cash from the conference that will not be paid to the schools as Man. part of the annual distributions. So, for example... 50 million is withheld over the course of the current and upcoming fiscal year. That's 2.1 million per school per year that they will not get because of this overpayment. And you're you know, Oregon. <laughs> what, what have you got to be thinking from an error like that? Like, And, you know, we don't know, no one knows if the overpayments continued past 2016. The audit just shows that it happened prior to 2016. So it might have still been going on for a while. So it could be more than $50 million. So it's a bad look. It's another reason that Pac-12 Commissioner George Kleofkoff can use to rationalize why they have not, the Pac-12 has not announced a new media rights deal with, with, with whichever partners they are negotiating with, Amazon, Fox, ESPN, whomever. So, wow. I mean, that's that's a bad look right there for for the Pac-12. But, uh, you know, it's the world of sports and world of business, and college athletics is big business, despite what some people try to claim that it's not a big business. Andy, I think you and I caught the end of the Houston Cougars women's game today at SMU. The Cougars lost 53-50 on the road to SMU. And that, I'm going to get your thoughts on the game in a second. But looking at other scores, let's see. Prairie View women and THU women also lost today. And Houston Christian women also lost today. So all four Houston area women's teams lost their college games today. Prairie View and THU lost in overtime. The Cougs lost by three. Houston Christian lost by a lot. They, they lost by 17 and were outscored by 18 in the fourth quarter. So 24-6 in the fourth quarter, HCU lost by 17. But Will, your thoughts real quick on Pac-12 and the failure to notify overpayment of potentially $50 million and maybe more and how it looks for the conference. 
Uh, has any property been purchased in the Bahamas? Because <laughs> yeah, where is that money? Where'd it go? Yeah, check check accounts. Um, yeah, I'm sure the principal will be repaid, but there's some interest somewhere. I'm just saying. And I I wonder if the distributor who filed the claim are they going to seek interest as well? So, yeah. and and that money is coming out of the schools. Member schools budget as well. Whew, boy. All right. Bottom of the hour here on Folks Talking Sports, which is sponsored by Five Star Properties. Give them a call 972-532-SELL, 972-532-7355. If you are facing foreclosure or need to sell your house as is for cash. Also visit the website at fivestarprops.com, F I V E. S-T-A-R-P-R-O-P-S dot com. All right, Andy. Your thoughts on the Cougs women's game at SMU where they lost 53-50. And if I remember right, they did not make a field goal the last eight and a half minutes of the ballgame. They being the Cougs. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. That's that's the thing that stands out. Their inability to be able to score and end long scoring droughts. And it, it wasn't just to end the game. It was to end the first half. And even going into the third quarter, it seemed like they, they were stuck around 26, 28 points for a long time. That initially would allow SMU to go on their rally to tie the game and eventually take the lead. And I believe the Mustangs built as much as a nine-point lead before Houston was able to, to make it a game again towards the end. But they're just not a good offensive team. And it's evident when, when you see them play and really how how much they struggle to be able to put the, the ball through the basket. And, and that's in a nutshell. And, Will, Andy, not, Andy tweeted that to me. <laughs> and bottom line. That's the difference between Houston being – what now they fell to six and thirteen. That's the difference between them be thirteen and six and where they are right now, six and thirteen. Yep, their offense, they can't make baskets. You know, yes, they can force turnovers. A lot of them and they're you know, really good at it. <laughs> rank, ranking pretty high in the country in turnovers forced. But at some point, again. you gotta be able to put the ball in the hole. <laughs> you know, at some put point the biscuit in the basket. Yes. You know. And they just are struggling to do that this year. And so, therefore, they are 6-13 and 13 overall and 3-3 three and three three in the conference. 3-3. Three and, three. and Will? Yes. Now they're in the middle back in the conference. I think they're – nothing has changed from what I said on, in episode 79 on Sunday. I still wouldn't be shocked if he's brought back for another year even though it's not warranted, but they got to win the conference tournament to get to the NCAA tournament. Do either of you believe that's going to happen? No, because they haven't been able to show it over the course of the season. And again, if you can't score, it's going to be really, really difficult. And that's probably from, from an outside perspective has got to be the most frustrating part because they are really elite defensively. What say you, Will? Uh, to quote Hall of Famer Kevin Garnett, anything is possible. What for? What four? Four nights they would need to it get. It looks high. like it'd have to be four now. They're yeah, in the middle of yeah, the pack. Yeah, now they probably got to win four in a row instead of three. Yeah. Anything is possible. Uh, it's, it's tournament time. Madness of March. I mean, I don't you know, see it. there you guys are on the ground. You guys know better than me. However, the madness of March. Anything is possible. Agreed. And and I'll say this. In Wednesday's game versus South Florida, South Florida is, is the last undefeated team in the conference because Tulsa lost today. South Florida is the best team in the conference. The Cougs gave them problems Wednesday. Well, it's all right with back, background noise, man. It's okay. Okay. In, in okay. the airport. Don't, don't sweat it. Okay. They gave South Florida problems. South Florida has a really young team. They got like six freshmen on their squad. So they – have problems with the Cougars' pressure defense. So, anything is possible, Andy. I don't believe it's going to happen. But because the Cougs' defense can be so disruptive, 
they might win two games in a tournament, in a conference tournament. Three and four, I don't know about it because then your legs get tired and all those other things. But they do give teams problems. I mean, SMU had, I think, 15 turnovers in the first half in today's game. Oh, 15. One five? 15. Oh. Yeah, one five. Okay. But they, they, they cut it down in the second half. So that's the key. Teams get used to the Cougars' pressure defense, then the Cougars have problems. Because if you can score against their pressure defense, then they got to score. <laughs> they got to match it. <laughs> that's hard for them to do. This year, team just cannot, as Andy so eloquently put it, put the biscuit in the basket. And they're now 6-13 and 13 overall. I mean, they've had three or four games go to overtime. But you are what your record says you are. They find ways to lose rather than good teams finding ways to win. That's just the reality of the situation. You know, that's, that's not hating on the coaching staff or anything. That's the reality of the situation. Andy, contrast that to the men's team who was not trailed in the first half this season. And you were in New Orleans against Tulane. Describe the atmosphere for Mr. Gibson. Oh, the Tulane atmosphere in New Orleans was really, you could tell about the buzz in the air of who the visiting opponent was. And Kelvin Sampson, Ron Hunter talked about it in their individual post-game press conferences. But there was Tulane, they had students lined up for hours before the game tipped off, waiting to get into the Devon Fieldhouse. I'm not entirely sure when, when Tulane's first day of back to classes were, but there was students waiting in line to get in. They were all in the student section for an hour when they when they were allowed to go in and tip. They were loud. It was energetic. The first half was, was really crazy. Then Houston built up a, a certain sizable lead right out of the second half to, to open the second half. It got quiet. Tulane rallied. They cut it to five, I think. I believe they cut it to five at one point. It was a crazy atmosphere. And then just like that, I, I can't stop because my hands are a little sweaty right now. But just like that, Houston left them in the dust. They ended the game on a 26-11 run to win win it by 20. And with three, just under four minutes left in the second half, Marcus Sasser, Houston's elite guard, hit a three-pointer that just sent all the fans towards the exits and just really quieted what had been a, a really raucous crowd but then after the game. And I know Ron Hunter said it in his post-game clip. It wasn't a moral victory, but they won't say it. But from, from media, I think I think Tulane was pretty satisfied with how that uh, Tuesday night went for them against Houston. Tulane played well. Mm-hmm. The Cougs just played better. And the Cougs have... They're deeper, and they have more talent than Tulane. And it's just different stages yeah. of the programs. Will, you've covered sports a long deep. time. Mm-hmm. Rebuilds take time. you, you got to start from a certain level and then build and add talent to your levels. Tulane has two really, really good guards. Yeah. The Cougs have four <laughs> or five really good guards. Really? <laughs> that's <laughs> You know? So, I mean, that's just part of – the level of where a program is. I mean, the, I think the Tulane is where the Cougs were a few years ago mm-hmm. in terms of development and, you know, establishing the program and building a culture and then adding talent. Unfortunately for Tulane, the Cougs are going to the Big 12 and Tulane is staying in the American. But it's all about rebuilding. And Ron Hunter said it. he he studies and patterns what Coach Kelvin Sampson is doing and has done at Houston for what he wants to do at Tulane. He's following like, like yeah. the a, a blueprint, the Kelvin Sampson blueprint. He's trying to follow to a T so he can build in terms of marketing, talent, recruiting, all those things. So he can try to get Tulane to that level at the Houston Cougars. So it, it's, it's yeah. respect. Just, you know, even though some fans, Cougar fans will never forgive Ron Hunt, forgive nor forget Ron Hunter's calling Kelvin Sampson grandpa when he, when he was at Georgia Southern, Ron was at Georgia Southern as a coach. That was years ago, you know, whatever. But I, I, I have a question I want to pose to you before, but we'll do it after this plug for our sponsor, because, you know, we've got to pay the bills, as everyone knows, and you got to respect that. And Five Star Properties is our sponsor 
of Folks Talking Sports. Give them a call at 972-532-SELL, 972-532-7355. Firestar Properties, a Dallas-based company owned by a UH alum. If you're facing foreclosure or need to sell your house as is for cash, call that number, 972-532-SELL, or visit the website at fivestarprops.com, F-I-V-E-S-T-A-R-P-R-O-P-S dot com real quick rockets have announced the starting lineup for tonight's game against minnesota interesting starting lineup. no jabari smith he's out with i think an ankle and kpj is still dealing with his foot problem he saw specialist yesterday so scoot's foot injury is lingering so that's a concern for starting five rockets tar eason eric gordon Jalen green kj martin and alperin shangoon t wolves Kyle Slomo Anderson, Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, Nas Reed, and D'Lo D'Angelo Russell. Buckeye. That as well. So, based on that lineups, will the losing streak end tonight at 12 or will it go on to 13? Andy, you first. To, to quote Will Gibson, who quoted Kevin Garnett, anything's possible. If I had to bet, I wouldn't bet for the Rockets. But anything's possible. What do you say, Will? Um, no. <laughs> hey, but I'll say this. Going back to the, the lunch break appearance we had on Thursday, mm-hmm. I did check the box score. Jabari Smith Sr. was not in that box score from LeBron's first game. Yeah. He, uh, he was a DMPCD. No, yeah. he wasn't listed. But he was well. He was on the roster for the Kings, correct? Because I saw a box score. According to ESPN's box score, he was not even listed. I think ESPN might only do if you like play a minute, but I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. Gotcha. I'm, yeah, I'm, you know, and especially at that time, the box scores might have been a little bit different than the box scores now. So yeah, but but he didn't play. That's for sure. He did not play in the game in LeBron's <laughs> first game. No. So. Junior was, I don't know, trying to trash talk LeBron and come up with something. Maybe his dad misremembered or whatever, but yeah. the facts show he did not play in that game, in LeBron's it first could, game. It, it could have just been that he was being a young kid trying to have something to talk with LeBron about. Well, and he, he could talk well, about that. Yeah, yeah, tell his kids, well, LeBron scored 48 on me. Yeah. <laughs> tell, oh. tell him that, mm-hmm. yeah. Now okay. he has his own story, but <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> couple when, things. Go ahead, Will. What are you going to say? I was going to say, when will they learn? Yeah, they yeah. Learn? Do not tug on the man's cape. Leave the man alone. Um, I was thinking about this. Gonzaga gets a lot of a lot of shade tossed its way from fans, even from a lot of people we know. Yeah, for not getting it done, not winning the chip. You know who. Who did who did they play? Who did they play in conference play? You know, blah blah blah, all all those things. Andy, couldn't the same be said about the Cougs? Well, from a national perspective, absolutely, and especially with the way that this conference this year is shaking out for the conference. South Florida just beat Central Florida by double digits, so. Central Florida, they came in here and gave Houston problems on New Year's Eve. They turned around. They've lost a few games. And South Florida is a, is a really good team, and especially when it comes to their, their backcourt. As they gave Houston problems as well when they came to the Fertitta Center. But I wonder if, if you would compare, and I'm curious to, I don't know, but off the top of my head, the net rankings for the West Coast Conference, the American Athletic Conference. But certainly from a national perspective and, and casual followers that don't, watch the American, uh, whether it be uh, Fortune, if you want to call it or whatever, but they don't follow the American Athletic Conference closely. There's no other team in the American where you think of, and certainly not from a from a countrywide standpoint, where they're like, hey, those guys, they can give a, a run for Houston's money. And I think in the West Coast Conference, Gonzaga at least has St. Mary's that they could point and say, hey, they're they're not pushovers now not to take anything away from ucf from usf from memphis who who is always supposed to be in the preseason supposed to be one of those teams that that are 
in a challenge for for at least to be at the top of the American Athletic Conference. But I think that there is a reasonable way to make that argument that who has Houston really played come conference play? And it's something that, that Calvin kind of had to answer this past Thursday during his media availability. I'm looking at West Coast Conference net rankings, St. Mary's 7, Zags 11, Santa Clara 80, Loyola Marymount 87, BYU 93. That's all, only five teams that are, you know, 100 or better. The American, Cougs 1, Memphis 42, UCF 43, Cincinnati 81, Tulane 99. So it's five mm-hmm. apiece. Mm. But I, I say that through the Big Ten. I'm, I'm, oh, I'll, 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 I'll give it a second. Yeah. <laughs> but I say that because I'm, I'm poking the bear to my fellow Cougar alums, the ones who toss shade at Gonzaga. Well, who do who are the Zags be? Blah, 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 blah. Look at who the Cougs <laughs> What are the Cougs doing because of the conference that the Cougs are in? So stop tossing stones at the Zags when folks outside of the American toss stones at the Cougs for the same thing that you're arguing. Mm-hmm. You know, because the Cougs are the American, and hey, a lot of folks expected, me included, for the last couple of years, for the American to be better, especially come postseason mm-hmm. play. Especially from and where they, they used to be. They used to be a multi-bid league. Right, you know, three, four teams. Mm-hmm. But they have the last this season, last season, for sure. So, pump your brakes about... Well, last season, they had Memphis, you know, right? They and that's made it. it. Yeah, and that's it. So, you know, I mean, come on, Kook fans. It's not the Kook's fault that the American has not been as good as people expected. This will be the last year that'll be a problem for the Kooks because the Big 12 will... <laughs> Let's see. The Big 12 going into today. Let me see if I can pull it up here quickly. Big 12, Kansas 6, Iowa State 9, Longhorns 10, K-State 13, Baylor 16. West Virginia has one win in Big 12 play, but they're at 24. TCU 25, Oklahoma State 45, Oklahoma 57, Texas Tech, winless Texas Tech in conference play, 72. None of them are above 75. None of them. Big 10, Purdue 4, Rutgers, Rutgers 21, yeah. IU 23, Ohio State, despite losing five in a row, 30. No, they won today. Well, I mean, yeah, coming into today. These numbers yeah. are coming into today. I got Illinois you. 32, Iowa 35, Michigan State 37, Maryland 46, Penn State 51, Northwestern and COVID 54, Wisconsin 65. Michigan, 77. Nebraska, 90. And then all those schools are in 100. I got to go take a huge leap, last and least. Minnesota, 219. Everybody else is 90 or better. Minnesota, 219. So compare those numbers to the American and the West Coast Conference so stop tossing that shade to the Zags, you know, not look in the mirror, Kook fans. You know, just, just, just be real about all these things. And plus, the Zags have been nationally relevant for 20 years. The Kooks have been nationally relevant for five. That is a big difference. So I don't want us to forget where, because like Coach Sanders says in, in media events with Andy us. Us and Andy all the time. He has not forgotten where, where the program was when he first got here. The program was in the toilet before we, we took over. Toilet. So these last five years are another golden era for the program. But my fellow alums, act like you've won before. But at some point, this magic run will end. So just be careful about those rocks tossing your way. Because they're gonna come back to us one day, and then what are you gonna say? But from a C perspective, today was a great day for the Houston Cougars men's basketball team for one line seat. Okay, you got Molly Wapped inside Allen Fieldhouse 8360 by TCU. So that loss is another loss for KU overall. I think that's three now for them, two in Big 12. That helps the Cougs. UCLA, who was the fifth overall. 
seed, according to ESPN's Lenardi. So they could have moved up to the one line, the one seed line, but they lost to Arizona. So now that separates Purdue, Alabama, and Houston as clearly the top three one seeds. And then you got some separation between them and everybody else. Now, of course, the Cougs need to win Sunday afternoon against Temple. So, Andy, talk about tomorrow's matchup, Cougs versus Temple. Absolutely. Well, Houston Cougars head head coach Calvin Sampson said, had high praise for their guards. And he always has a really good, I don't know if you call it an analogy, but he always has good quotes when he's talking about sophomore card, Khalif Battle. He said he's a keg of dynamite and he's just an elite scorer. He went down the list with Damian Dunn, but really Battle and Dunn, those are the two guards that kind of do the bulk of the scoring for the Temple Owls. I need to double check. They're towards the top of the conference now that, that I'm trying to give me a second to pull up the specific standings for the American Athletic Conference going into this game. But yeah, Temple's fourth right now at five and two in conference. So they're towards the top of the American Athletic Conference. And again, they have a lot of they're not necessarily freshmen, but they have a lot of sophomores on the team. So uh, could be an intriguing matchup. I don't think especially well from a media perspective, from an outside perspective, it's a game that Houston should win out. If you tell that to Kelvin Sampson, he'll chew your head off because he said any game they can they can lose. But, you know, I think it, it would be an interesting matchup just to see how Houston does and, and defends those those good scoring guards. But I think Houston, like similar to Tulane, where they're, they're just a, a cut above and it could be similar. Maybe Temple gives them a run in the first half and even into the second half. But I expect Houston, again, it to just be able to to pull off late and, and come out victorious for yet another week of being the number one team in both the national polls and like you said in the net polls, the Ken Palm polls and any other rankings you want to list out. It's a home game. The Cougs should win. Cougs are better than Temple. They got to play like it because if they don't and Temple gets hot, they could give the Cougs problems because of their guard play. Uh, I think Coach Sampson even used, he said, Dunn and, and Battle are walking 20 pieces. Well, yeah. so use a, use a young vernacular, 20 pieces. Yeah. 20 pieces. Okay. Yeah. So we shall see. And that game is going to be on ESPN Sunday afternoon, 2 p.m., 3 p.m. Eastern. Um, Andy and I will be inside Tillman's building watching the game, covering the game. And then we'll do the post game show, Let's Rage Cougs, after that. So tune in for that. So. Cougs should win. Improves to what be nineteen and one, I think. Yes, sir. If they if they come out victorious tomorrow, that'll be their tenth straight victory for Houston. And correct, they'd improve to nine and one overall, and they'd be seven and zero in conference play. And 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 maintain that two game lead in the loss column, seven games into conference play already. So you know, and UCF is injured and banged up. That's Cougs' next opponent, I think, on Wednesday. Yes, sir, Wednesday. And they're banged up. They're limping into that matchup. So it's another game the Cougs should win, but it'd be in Orlando, a whole bunch of hype with the potential number one team coming to town. So UCF might play over their heads. So anything's, anything's possible, Will. Anything's possible. So we shall see. And on that note, I'm going to wrap it up here because get ready. Oh, I saw that the Chiefs won, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, 27-20. Okay. Pulled away from the young Jaguars. And is there any is another game to be played this evening? Football game? Philadelphia, New York. Oh, yeah. The battle of the, the NFC, NFC East, East that used to be the best division of football. This year, they had three teams make the playoffs. And the one team that didn't make the playoffs is the Snyders. But I digress on that. And hopefully at some point soon, he will trade the team and begin an epiphany for fans like myself who can return to rooting for the franchise that he destroyed. But <clears throat> I digress on all of that. Willie Gibson, thank you once again for joining us on Full Talk of Sports, and thank you for joining me on the lunch break on Thursday, on Throwback Thursday. Appreciate that. Take time out of your day to do that. That show is on Roku on the BS3 network, so kudos to you for doing that. But how can folks find you and interact with you on social media. 
anytime. I appreciate it. Uh, they can always uh, find me at Will Gibson Seven on uh, Twitter and Instagram. And I, I got to give a shout because I always talk about the men. I don't say men's Buckeye team, but the the the, the Ohio State women's team is nineteen and old, number two in the country. And Monday night they have Iowa come into shot to the Schottenstein Center and Caitlin Clark. Yes. All America. Oh, she is phenomenal. Uh, last year in Iowa City, she gave Ohio State 43. Ohio State won. I think it was 93-87, but she gave them every bit of 43 in that loss. And so she's coming to Columbus on Monday. So it's going to be a show at the Schottenstein Center. So shout out to the to Coach Kevin McGuff and, and his Ohio State Buckeye team as well, number two in the country, behind number one, South Carolina. And the Buckeyes were two this week, right? Yes. Okay, because Stanford lost. So, yeah, okay. <clears throat> See, Andy, Will's got a good women's team to cover as well. You know, I'm not sure what that's, I don't know, I'm not sure what that's like. It's been a long time since I had that opportunity to cover a good women's basketball team here in town, college basketball team. But I digress. <clears throat> Andy Yanez, how can folks find you on social media, sir? Yes, sir, Chris. As always, thank you for allowing me to be on Folks Talking Sports. People can find me on Twitter at Ayanez underscore five. Like you mentioned, be sure to follow me on Twitter for tomorrow's coverage of Houston and Temple from inside the Fertitta Center. The game will tip off at 2 p.m. Central Time. I'll be covering the game for GatorySports.com and obviously, of course, for Let's Reach Cougs, presented by the Saxonian family, the unofficial postgame show for Houston Football and men's basketball. Houston will be going for win for win number nineteen, ten straight victory of the season for Houston. So be sure to follow us for in depth coverage following Houston Temple, covering all things Houston and Temple. And thank you for everyone watching us on Folks Talk Sports on Twitter as well as on the Houston Round Ball Review YouTube channel. Mind everyone, please subscribe to the channel, the YouTube channel. Hit the like button to like the videos on the channel as well. Tell your friends about Folks Talking Sports. We talk a little bit more than just hoops on this show. But for Rocket fans tuning in, I will. there will be a late night with KG this evening tonight after the Rockets game at Minnesota. So bring your adult beverage with you if you are an adult of legal drinking age. We're going to have fun talking about the Rockets-Minnesota game probably around 10 o'clock or so. Yes, Will, what are you going to say? I'm sorry, one last thing. Just a piece of recruiting news I, I, I found out yesterday. And, I, and I, if I could just real quick. Yes. Uh, Brian James announced he will be uh, revealing his college choice after his high school basketball season. But he did reveal his final three. Uh, Oregon, USC, and uh, a, town, uh, a school in the capital city of Ohio. <laughs> um, the Ohio State University made Brian James his final three. So... USC, Oregon, and Ohio State uh, are still in the mix for Bronny James, and the announcement will come at the conclusion of his high school season. And two of those will be the Big Ten, two of those schools. <clears throat> yep. It'll be Ohio State. Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be Ohio it. State. Yeah, Ohio <laughs> State. It, it'll be a shock if it, was, if it was anybody but Ohio State, for sure. But good luck to him on his decision. Also, we announced, we as in the Guy V. Lewis Award Committee announced the top 25 watch list earlier this week. I posted on my blog on Wednesday, put it out officially, press release on Friday. It's on the website, GuyVLewisAward.org. Two guests who've been on Full Talk of Sports, Jayden Lowe and Keanu Dawes, made that top 25. So good luck to everyone, all 25 young men. We're going to pare down the list to 10 announce it in March, and they'll be the finalists and be invited to attend the award reception that will take place on Wednesday, March 29th, the day after the McDonald's All-American game that takes place here in Houston. And that's Final Four week. So a lot of big things taking place here in Houston that whole week, those seven to eight days. But Houston Round Ball Review will be on top of all of it as much as possible. Indiana as, as well would be there also. Got to get Willie Gibson there as well. So a lot of stuff going on for all three of us these next few weeks, days, weeks, and months. So thank you to everyone who tuned in. I'm Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Bar Review on Twitter, VHR Review, HoustonRoundBarReview.com, Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram, TikTok, and IG. Big thanks once again to 
our sponsor, Five Star Properties, for sponsoring the show throughout the college basketball season. So Five Star Properties sponsored by a Dallas-based uh, company owned by UH alum. If you are facing foreclosure or need to sell your home as is for cash, call 972-532-SELL or visit the website fivestarprops.com, F-I-V-E-S-T-A-R-P-R-O-P-S.com. You can catch the rebroadcast of this show, of course, on the Houston Round Bar Review YouTube channel. Audio will be available on the audio podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple, iHeart, etc. For Willie Gibson and Yanez, I'm Chris Gardner. Thank you once again for watching us. The Houston Round Bar Review presents Folks Talking Sports. Until next time, everybody take care. See you in a few days. Peace.